ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. If you've ever dreamed of quitting your job to take your side hustle full time, listen up. This is Nikayla Matthews Akome, host of Side Hustle Pro, a podcast that helps you build and grow from passion project to profitable business. Every week, you'll hear from guests just like you who wanted to start a business on the side. If you can't run a side hustle, you can't run a business. They share real tips. And so I started connecting with all these people on LinkedIn, and I saw Target Supplier Diversity was having office hours. Real advice. Procrastination is the easiest form of resistance. And the actual strategies they use to turn their side hustle into their main hustle. Getting back in touch with your tangible cash and sitting down and learning to give your money a job, like it changes something. Check out Side Hustle Pro every week on your favorite podcast app and YouTube. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Welcome back to Spawn Point, a video game podcast for tired people. I'm your host, Keza McDonald, and if this is your first episode, here's the deal with this podcast. Uh, me and my guests talk about video games from a time-pressed parent's perspective. Uh, we might not have as much time to play games anymore, but we don't love them any less, and hopefully the last three episodes are evidence of that. I got a lovely message from a listener called Ben during a hiatus that I wanted to share. Uh, he, he's a new parent, little baby, and he said... I can't properly describe the feeling I got listening to your first episode, but I think relief is probably the best word for it. It was just really good to hear someone describing the thought process I'd been going through in terms of not just the drain on gaming time, but on free time and leisure time and brain space generally, and how to balance that as a parent. Uh, That's exactly what I'm going for here. There are millions of us parent gamers out there now, and I'd love this podcast to be somewhere where we can feel at home as a parent who plays video games, even if we don't necessarily have the time to play all the latest stuff or to spend 60 hours on Death Stranding or whatever. Anyway, I've had an incredibly boring start to 2020 so far, uh, partly because I've been stuck at home with a baby because the awful, dreadful weather that won't let up, but also uh, because we were quarantined for about three months because of the dreaded chicken pox. The older one got it first, so that was six days bouncing off the walls, and then the little one got it too. So altogether, I was basically at home for the entire month of January caring for small sick people, which is a nightmare situation. I'm sure many of you have been there. Um... However, as a result of this, my three-year-old had his first proper gaming experience, which was unexpected. Uh, I mean, by by proper game, I mean a game that I would like to play. (laughs) He's got like an old tablet with a lovely selection of Tokaboka and Sega mini games um, that meet my personal quality threshold. But those are more like lovely interactive toys can open-ended play he's not shown any interest in anything on the Switch or the PlayStation or anything like that. Um, I'd always imagined our first game time together might be Mario or Zelda or even Pokemon but actually as is often the case with kids he's completely confounded my expectations and we ended up playing some Forza Horizon 4. If you've never played Forza Horizon it's a driving game but it's a driving game that's more about the fantasy of driving the open road and going to peaceful places and veering off-road and driving like a complete maniac rather than the 
slightly dry, sterile simulation kind of racing game, which I tend to go on with less well, mostly because I can't drive. Uh, Horizon 4 is set in an amazing, idealised version of Britain. Really beautiful, colourful, still got the rain, but is much prettier than the real one. Um, it's comprised entirely of the Cotswolds and the Lake District and Edinburgh and like a bit of the Highlands. Uh, anyway, Forza Horizon 4 has turned out to be brilliant for my kids because firstly, he loves cars with an intense passion and he got to tell me which kind of BMW to drive around for him. And we spent ages paging through the car catalogue, um, looking at things I couldn't afford with my Forza points. But also, uh, the game doesn't force you into actual races or make you follow any rules. You can just drive around if you want. And that's obviously what he wanted to do. Um, he kept wanting me to stop at all the red lights and got upset with me because I crashed into other cars, innocently poodling along the road. Um, it's never a game he could play by himself, obviously. It's got too many buttons uh, and too many menus. And it's got way too much faff for a three-year-old, but he really did enjoy sitting in my lap and having a go um, and pressing random buttons on the Xbox pad while we played. So that gave me a half-hour break from the incessant boredom of being stuck at home with tiny kids for week on end, so I definitely count it as a win. My guest this week is Dan Marshall, maker of comedy time travel point and click adventure games Ben There, Dan That and Time Gentleman, please. Uh, he also made a Victorian stealth roguelike called The Swindle and a Channel 4 game about blasting STDs into oblivion. Uh, and he made a parody football game called Behold the Kickmen, uh, which was briefly the front page of Twitter a few years back. He's a very funny guy and he makes very funny games. I personally feel that comedy games are having a bit of a moment right now, thanks to Untitled Goose Game, which... I think, is the best slapstick comedy in any medium for probably decades. People kind of go on about the older LucasArts adventures when we talk about comedy games, but for me, things like Octodad and Overcooked and even Surgeon Simulator are just as relevant. They're games where the comedy comes from the gameplay rather than the writing. Dan Marshall's latest game is called Layer of the Clockwork God. It came out last week on Steam. Uh, I've played the first few hours. It's a rare game where both the gameplay and the script are very funny indeed. Uh, we talk a bit more about Layer of the Clockwork God in the interview. I can happily recommend the game and its parent-friendly length too as a bonus. I started making games a long time ago, uh, back before uh, indie development was really a thing you could make any money out of. So I, my first game was, was Jibbage back in 2006. And I made a couple of adventure games, a couple of old point-and-click adventure games called Ben There, Dan That and Time Gentleman Please, which did very well um, and made me enough money to make more games. And I did Privates for Channel 4. Oh, pri- Privates, suppose, was the, uh, the, the sex education game. Sex ed, Gears of War platformer pastiche thing <laughs> about going into people's bodies and ridding them of gonorrhea yeah, just absolutely blasting those stds yes and then after that i made a game called the swindle which did very well which was a sort of roguelike victorian steampunk burglary simulator thing that um, sounded admirably not rehearsed as a genre de- as a genre <laughs> description i don't make i don't make like things that other people have made and my last game was a football parody game jam thing called um, Behold the Kickmen. Behold the Kickmen was... I mean, so mo- a lot of your games are essentially piss takes, but piss takes that also happen to be really good examples of the thing they're taking the piss out of. Yeah, I think that's right. I like making games in genres that I don't particularly enjoy. Mm. So like, I'm not a big fan of stealth games, which is why the swindle... I, I, I like the concept of stealth. I really like the idea of not being found and not being discovered, but I, I, what I found was that trope of like crouching down and walking behind... Uh, an AI-driven character hoping they wouldn't turn around and then pressing X to do a one of those things where you, where you put your arm around them and then they 
go limp. Oh, the death cuddle. The death cuddle. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff I was just really bored with. And I just, and so I find, I find myself making, I've got no interest in football and I've got no interest. <laughs> but I do remember. Didn't, didn't, I remember Hold the Kitman essentially arising from a tweet, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I did a tweet saying, I'd seen a football game and I thought I'd quite like to play a, make a football game. I wonder what that would be like. I'll do one. I needed a break. I was feeling a bit sort of creatively bogged down. Mm. So I thought, I'll just make a football game and see what that As a person who, just to be clear, does not know anything about football. I know nothing about football. Can't stand (laughs) it. Not only that, but I actively sort of dislike football a little bit. You know, when they do the news and they say, oh, today 40,000 babies have died in an earthquake. And, the you know, the world is going to shit. And also, Tottenham won! (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like, that doesn't really deserve equal billing with the rest of this stuff. Yeah, so I did a tweet saying, wouldn't it be funny if I made a football game? I know nothing about a football game. And I, I had, like, in an hour, had, like, this little dumb prototype of a football player running around. And it just took off. It got retweets and yeah. people come. The BBC came to me for an interview about it, which is, like, if you've ever... Like, making games and getting press is like getting blood from a stone, <laughs> right? So, like, you know, desperately, constantly clawing at people to notice you. And to be in a position where people were coming to me, I thought... I should probably make this into a full thing because, you know, it's on the front page of Twitter, mm. you know, all this sort of stuff. Because I mean, pe- people were just egging you on, weren't they? Like every time you said another stupid thing about football, they'd be like, put it in, yeah, put it in. Yeah, 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 that's exactly how it happened. And, like, and then by the end, I was like deliberately misunderstanding things to make stupid jokes about football. And oh, my favourite thing about it was the very earnest men in your replies trying to actually explain football to you. Yeah, I got a lot of, I got a lot of that. I so got you got, for, for a while, you just experienced being a woman on Twitter. It was... <laughs> Yeah, and I, but I always used to. My, I just, um, I had fun with it. I used to insist I was right and see how long they would take. <laughs> that was so, they, so good. They would come back and say, "That's not how, that's not how goals work." And you go, "Yeah, it is." <laughs> and they come back and they would just completely argue forever. And then I just take a screen grab of the whole thing and just put it up for everyone to enjoy. One of the nice things about being an indie developer is that you can just you can make stupid decisions and there's no like there's no grown ups around to tell you off. There's no like. <laughs> I don't have a boss somewhere frowning. So I, I think that's a lot of my career has been me reveling in that a little bit. And I thought football will be, is a good idea because it's finite. Yeah. You know, it's like you have teams and you play a football match and then it ends. There's no feature creep in football. Yeah. Well, yeah, theoretically there's no feature <laughs> creep in football. But then some idiot starts adding statistics and like, you know, and, uh, and it's got loads of has got a full, um, story mode so like the these sort of like almost like a visual novel sort of characters come in and have massive melodrama about like about anything and that just goes and that goes right off on one in a, into like like ghosts turn up and uh, it's all about and, and like how his father died and I can't even remember anymore Would Kickman have been when your boy was little? Yeah he so he was born helpfully he was born two weeks before the swindle came out I was super tired. You didn't have a good sleeper, did you? Uh, no, he was the worst. He was actually <laughs> the worst. We didn't realise how bad he was until uh, we came out of it. Once he started sleeping through, because we were just like, this is how babies are. This is, babies don't sleep. Everyone knows babies don't sleep. And then I think we got to the end of it and we, we, we were aware that he was worse than average. Yeah, like when you're, I find like the, I, I end up having so many obsessive conversations with other new parents about sleeping at the time that I like had my, I had my baby on like there was like a graft in my head there was like a plotted yeah. like line of how good babies were at sleeping and my kid was like I think he was probably in retrospect in the middle but at the time it felt so bad. He used to sleep. He used to have two naps a day in the day, 
um, he would sleep for half an hour on each. Oh. And you could set your watch by them. And the worst thing is that um, for well, he would fall asleep and then for the 10 minutes after he fell asleep, you couldn't leave the room because, because he would wake up. I'm doing a so, horrified face here. Yeah, so you, you, so you had to sort of sit there with your hand on him and then like after 10 minutes, you're like, and like, what can you do in 20 minutes? And, and, I, and I'm not even being facetious about it. You can say, watch by him. It was half an hour, like clockwork. Mm. So you had 20 minutes and like you come downstairs and you're just like, I can't even finish a cup of tea. Yeah. You know, like all that stuff about, you know, sleep when baby sleeps. Like, fuck that. <laughs> you know, I, was, I wasn't even remotely in a position to even consider it. I had such a problem with sleep when the baby sleeps because like most newborns, my son would sleep for like 20 to 30 minutes every couple of hours. I'm like, that's not no, sleep. Not no. That's not sleep. It doesn't count. It's not even a nap. I remember saying this is... No, it's Facebook humour. But like, I remember seeing a thing on Facebook at the time that says something like, sleep when baby sleeps, do laundry when baby does laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I thought that was quite, that sort of sums up the sleep when baby sleeps thing to me. But like, but the thing is when the swindle launched, I was sat at the computer and um, in the Steam back end and I wanted to get a page up so that like people could see the Steam page and all and like maybe pre-order it and stuff. I kind of was trying to work out some way of having all that stuff actually live because it wasn't live yet and there was a big green button I had it, I had it set to the date that it was due out so it was like tomorrow and there was a big green button that said press this button to launch your game and I thought well it's post dated like a check so I press that button and then it'll come live and um, but it will say like you know coming tomorrow you know unlocks tomorrow or whatever and it very much does not do that it just puts your game live ready to sell right and it's oh like, no like, this is 24 hours beforehand and I was just like, because I had this deal with Curve because it was coming out on the... Um, the publisher, Curve. The, publisher, yeah. the, the, the Steam version was mine, but all the console versions were theirs. And they were all coming out at the exact same time in the exact same place. And I rang them up and I was so apologetic. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I haven't slept and I've just pressed, pressed a green button on Steam and it's actually live. I now notice since when I, went, when I launched Kickmen that when you press that green, big green button now, it comes up with a thing that says, are you definitely sure? And I like to think... That was me <laughs> in my in my like sleep deprived state that I managed to like enact a, a change to the Steam back end. So your son's your son's four now. He is. Yeah. Um, do you guys play games together? Is he is he interested yet? He uh, has so far resisted every attempt. So whenever like you're doing things like holding a controller and teaching him stuff, he gets frustrated like really quickly. Um, so it's really sort of baby gloves with that kind of thing still. Mm. Because um, you don't want to put them off. I don't. I really do not want to put them off, and I don't think there is good, probably going to be such a thing as putting them off playing games. Yeah. I think there's going to come a point where stop playing so many games. <laughs> you're you're doing too much now. Come th- pull back a little bit. The, I think the hardest thing about uh, trying to introduce games as a gamer parent, because you obviously want to play games with mm. your kids, basically as soon as possible. The hardest thing is trying not to do it so early, so that they don't have an experience that yeah. then makes them think, "No, I, I don't like this." I really want him to watch Star Wars. I don't want to show him Star Wars until he can grasp some of the themes that are going on in it, right? So like, I, really, I really want to sit down and I know he'll have an amazing time watching X-Wings fly around the place and he'll be... and we, There's a whole new set of toys we can get interested in and all this sort of stuff to play with and all that kind of thing. But I don't want to do it so early that he just doesn't get it. You know, and I think it's the same with games. I don't want to like force things on him and he doesn't quite get it. You've got to be careful with Star Wars. My mate um, showed his four-year-old daughter Star Wars. It was all good until Darth Vader showed up, and then she was like, I hate it, I yeah, hate yeah, it, yeah. and she still won't watch it now. No, I <laughs> She's really... about seven now, she still won't watch it. 
A lot of indie developers I talk to say that the job on the plus side lets you spend a bit more time like at home and with the family and you're not kind of locked in a studio for yeah. you know eight to ten hours a day or however long but then also obviously the work never really stops does it no. and so how, how do you find as a family you manage to, to get around that do you feel like you you're able to kind of be around is it good to be around more it's it's great to be around more there's there's problems with it so the first thing is that like it was i found it very difficult uh being up in the office my i work from home so i've got an office upstairs and i found it very difficult when he was very little I bought some noise cancelling headphones because not I found it difficult when he cried because my every instinct is to rush downstairs and find out what's gone wrong and interrupt it's quite difficult when you're coding and there's something and it just all goes from your head you need to keep everything in your head yeah. in like a yeah you have the going it's difficult when he cries or when he laughs because if he laughs it's the same thing and you want to go downstairs and you want to share and you want to join in and you want to find what's so funny and like he's got this gorgeous laugh and you just want to be with him but you can't because I've got work to do. So, do you manage to find any time to play games yourself in amongst the uh, the game making and the and the dadding? No, um, I. That's a lie. You told me you played Red Dead Redemption. That is a lie. Um, well, the trouble is that it's it's snippets now, isn't it? So, um, the days of crashing on the sofa on a Saturday and just playing something all day have gone. Um, so I play. I did play Red Dead Redemption Two, but I found it quite difficult. It was in, you know, my wife and I because I'm because I am at home. Um, I, the, one of the great things about it is that I have we've always shared, you know, bath time and bedtime. So, um, the you know one of us does bath and bed, and the other one cooks dinner. Um, and I found myself basically doing increasingly slapdash dinners, <laughs> so that. Or like really, like really enjoying just something that something that was just like like a stir fry or something. Where it's just like okay, that's all ready to go. And then I've got like maybe thirty minutes to sit and play Red Dead Redemption Two very quietly <laughs> because because like you can't have a bunch of people shouting and shooting guns when you're trying to put a to- put a, a three year old to bed. Um, so I did manage to do that, but yeah, it was in it was in thirty minute sections, and then the occasional I don't even know. I think I took some time off work. I must have done. Like I did for Zelda, I know I did for Zelda. Well, I I got quite down about it for a while. Quite a lot of making games is reveling in other people's genius. Uh, you know, like seeing how other people are doing stuff. Mm. You you, remember, you played Layer of Clockwork God earlier. That stands new game. My next game, mm. and the the menu from that was basically lifted pretty much wholesale from Breath of the Wild because I thought the Breath of the Wild uh, menu did a really good job of being quick and easy to combine things and look at things and all that sort of stuff I made a decision to spend every Friday morning playing games for and I managed to keep it up for about two months before I got started to feel guilty it's alright when you're playing something like Breath of the Wild um, for the first bit because you're you can sit there with a generally sit there with a notepad and go that's great I should I should think about that I should think about this I should think about that um, but after a while, you just realise I'm just playing these games. <laughs> this isn't. I'm, I'm not learning anything new I'm now. I'm not learning anything. I'm just having a nice time. And I did the same with God of War, which I played for a bit. And I was, you know, uh, I made a lot of notes about the tactility of his throwing uh, axe, uh, throwing axe thing, about all that sort of stuff. So you know, these little bits and pieces that, I, if it's a really good game, you desperately want to get back to work. So if you, if you're, you know, I remember having a hard time playing a lot of indie games, especially back in, you know, when I was making Swindle, because I would. 
I would sit there and I'd just desperately, I'd like, oh, man, I want to make my own stuff and, and get back to it. Once, you, once you're creatively involved in something and it's kind of go, going somewhere, you can't really think about anything else, can you? No. I, I, what I have noticed is I'm being much more selective about the stuff that I play. The sort of mid-tier stuff that I was like vaguely interested in and would have given a go doesn't get a look in anymore. So I, you know, if I'm not that like, oh man, I can't wait for release day, I probably don't play it anymore. Um, or or I play a lot of indie games, and I play the first hour, and then that's probably going to be it because I just I either get so excited about making my own stuff or I just feel guilty and I have to go back to work. I remember when I remember when Charlie was born, playing the end of Arkham Knight. And I remember he was very little, and I remember all this, the scarecrow stuff happening on screen. And he was fast asleep in a crib. And I remember thinking, oh, "Man, I hope this isn't fucking you up. I hope you like you can't hear this." And this is making me. And I remember, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning, uh, I one hundred percented Arkham Knight because I got all the Riddler trophies, and there were like two hundred of them. Because uh, that is no small feat. I had a baby asleep on my chest, and I played it with the sound off at like five in the morning there was nothing else I could do I couldn't play the game proper because I couldn't hear what was going on so I just did all the busy work stuff and I was like quite happily just in this sort of sleepy days <laughs> like, like a baby on my chest marketers and advertisers brands big and small you've been after a special someone for a while now you think they're into you I mean, you share the same interests, both passionate about the same stuff. Why wouldn't they be? Wait. There's a moment of silence. It's finally just you two alone. They're waiting. Go on, shoot your shot. You've got a voice. Use it now. Hearts are racing. Breathing becomes heavier. This is your chance to win them over. So what are you going to say? Get closer to your audience. Make podcast ads with Acast. Head to go.acast.com slash closer to get started. My newborn days game was Stardew Valley. And I played it for 60 hours-ish on the PlayStation in the middle of the night. Just, and then, it's easier when they're a baby. Of course, because they're not paying attention. They're not like, pay attention to me. They're just, they're just either asleep or, or yeah. you know. And you, it doesn't matter what's on. You can put the filthiest, <laughs> bloodiest game on. You could play Doom with a baby on your chest. Hey, they can't. Right, isn't it? They can't see it. They can't process it. Can't process I think I read that about one is when they start being able to like okay. like process what's happening on a screen. Because I remember my partner was playing. What was he playing? It was uh, Neo when he was a newborn. Oh yeah, that kind of souls like. But yeah, I remember when when he got a bit older, I'm a bit like maybe we should start so, moving. Uh, yeah. That's when my my stepson finally got to have a games console in his room after bag- begging for about four years. We were like, so, well, no, now we're kind of forced. What was really good when he was when he was a baby was Lara Croft Go. I was really into Lara Croft Go, and I played the entirety of that game with him asleep on me because you could play it with one hand and it was beautiful and tactile, and I really enjoyed the mechanics of it. But it, the fact that it was a, I could sit there while he was asleep. If he was asleep and he was on you, that was it. Because we, we needed those minutes. I'm like, I'm not moving now for two hours. And I can't hold a book open. Yeah. <laughs> don't have the finger muscles. The grip strength? the grip strength to hold a great big book open for that long. Um, I think a lot of newborns are like this, but my guy would only sleep on a person for the first yeah. like, you know, few months. So 
I had we had idea. to share. Like it was, it was fraught with health and safety problems. But I had this idea. You know that bit in in Ray's Lost Ark where he's got the bag of sand and the um, idol, and he t- puts the bag of sand and he takes the <laughs> idol off. I had this idea for like a a glove, like a nicely knitted glove. Um, the same you buy them in hand sizes, like heavy, full of beads or something. But you put in the microwave so it's warm. Because uh, like he would fall asleep with my hand on his on his back or his chest like so easily, but like you're leaning into a cot or something like this, and like and the blood's because the cot's like up in your armpits, so the blood's you're losing circulation. And I remember thinking, if I had like a warm hand shaped object, I reckon I could do the Raiders of the Lost Ark switcheroo, really like just do it really quickly. And then I reckon he would stay asleep with like a warm hand on it. Like it doesn't need to be my warm hand. He can have any warm hand on him. That is a proper, proper like depth of baby time invention. I reckon if I took that into Dragon's Den, that's the sort of thing that would do well. But like I did that. Did you do that thing where like I put my hand on him when he was falling asleep, and then I would because if you just took your hand off, you'd just start crying. Mm. So what you have to do is you have to take take your little finger off, just really. <laughs> And then, and then I'll do my thumb next. Just really slowly take your thumb off. It takes like 20 seconds to take each finger off. And then by the end, you're just like, I've just got the very tip of my middle finger resting on you. And then you slowly peel it away. And you go, ah! <laughs> and you go, oh, come on. I used to think of making a game out of that. And all these like things of like rocking. There's actually in, in one, two Switch, weirdly, that Nintendo Switch launch game, there's a mini game where you have to rock the Switch to sleep yeah. and then very, very, very carefully put it down before yeah. it starts crying again. But when I was uh, going through the newborn phase, I kept thinking about making like a sort of multi, like a, a sort of twine text adventure about early motherhood where there were no right options. Yeah. <laughs> and just everything you did just had the same result. All that stuff about like... I remember reading it was another one of those sort of Facebook articles, but it was feed your child now they're overfed, you know they're they're overtired, they're overstimulated, they're understimulated. You've <laughs> stimulated them too much. Now they won't sleep because they're overstimulated. And like, <laughs> and there, there is something about that. There's like a there's a little game where if you have to try and get a baby to sleep, but you you can't make them too comfortable because then they're too comfortable to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so let's chat a bit about your new game, Dan, which I just played. It's called Layer of the Clockwork God. Um, and it's, uh, I would describe it as like, so it's it's kind of a, it's a sequel, a follow-up, but not like a direct sequel to Ben There, Dan That, which was your yeah. point-and-click comedy game. We decided that it's been 10 years since Time, Gentleman, Please came out. And I didn't want to just make a sequel and alienate a whole audience of people who didn't necessarily want to play the other games. I can understand not wanting to play those. Um, so we were quite keen to point out this is a sort of standalone adventure. Like, if you've played the first two games, I don't want to spoil it, they're 10 years old, but at the end of Time, Gentlemen, Please, they mess up so badly that God turns up and just resets the universe. They, they, they wind up killing themselves in the past, which undoes all of reality. And God turns up and just goes like, I don't normally do this, <laughs> but you've made such a pig's ear of things, I'm going to send you back in time to before all this happened and just sit there. <laughs> don't do anything um so like the, those two games sort of ended quite nicely like wrapped up with a bow so you don't need essentially the events of those games never even happened so we have quite a strict rule about not putting in a load of stuff that refers back to those games sure so we introduce them again we start everything all over again who they are what their names are and also the dynamic between them of course so the uh, so so the, the 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 game is it's it's a puzzle platformer and a point and click adventure game the, the the idea being that one of the one of the duo ben is just stubbornly stuck in 1995 he's like i'm not walking off that ledge i'm not doing that jump i'm going to walk really slowly and like pick things up and the other one dan has gotten really into 
indie platformers and it's all about like leaping about and you switch between think, two characters I think the point is to make as well is he's he's sort of into indie platformers but he's mostly into the prestige of it so, right, so he's into the idea of it more than into the idea of it. He's he's aware that because he's me, right? They're, they're based after, he's based after me, and the, and I think his he he's worried that just making a point and click game wouldn't make any money, and he wants to stay he wants to stay relevant and fashionable. So like he's pretending to like this stuff, but he doesn't really get it, um, which is where quite a lot of the subtler humour comes from. Where he's like, there's there's like, there's levels in the game that are pastiche of like walking simulator stuff, and it's just nonsense. It's this really heavy narrative that makes no sense. And Dan's just pretending to be really enraptured by the quality writing. He's like, I get this. I get this. He really gets it. And and there's there's nothing to it. But he's really really trying to understand it. But it's cool because the the interplay between the two dialogue, it's a very funny game. There's a lot of uh, excellent jokes kind of in the dialogue because they're always kind of talking as they're going through stuff. But then there's also a really fresh kind of play style where you're switching between the sort of slow looking in your inventory picking stuff up and like making mad combinations and then just leaping around for a bit which helps kind of keep it varied which is awesome but yeah I think I think it's nice like because one of the things we wanted to do was like rethink point and clicks which are very slow like I can't play them anymore because they're really slow there's a lot of like dawdling around it's like meandering is the word like comes to mind when you and there's always a bit where you unlock a big new area in point and clicks and there's like I can't it was one of the monkey islands is the one I think of where you unlock this whole new area and there's like eight shops and eight shopkeepers to talk to and like eight different store shelves to try and find an item on you know what I mean and there's like I don't even know what the puzzles are yet I've got to work out what the puzzles are before I can even think about starting to solve them and that sort of stuff that to me now as a parent especially I don't have time for that Right, I need something that's a. I like those mechanics. I really like the funny, silly inventory combining nonsense of it. But I don't have the time for the meticulous picking around stuff. So the clicking on everything, the clicking on everything, the pixel hunting, the endless dialogue trees, watching two people stand still and talk is not engaging gameplay content. So we've really cut down the dialogue trees to be snappy and short and wherever possible you're moving you can still do things while they're going on because dan is now an indie darling platformer the game is structured very much like a platform game so it's level based structure which is great because it keeps things going forwards and so you don't have to worry about did oh, i miss something did back I there miss something? do i need to go back eight screens and talk to those eight shop scre- shopkeepers again you know that all the stuff is in this level in this very small little bubble you've just got to work out how to put it all together and it's really interesting it keeps it like really sort of pacey it keeps it really sort of fresh it doesn't stick around it doesn't stagnate in that, in that way that point and clicks I think now make me feel my, my partner uh, kind of came up on point and clicks like he's a big LucasArts fan he's a PC player yeah. in his like early 20s <laughs> um, but he still has like now we're playing a game together he still has that weird habit of like scoping the perimeter of every room in like every even if it's like a first person shooter or you know we were playing one of the Zeldas I think it was Ocarina of Time on the 3DS um, but I was watching him play that and he was just going around like rubbing up against the perimeter and pressing A just around the room just out of habit that's a doom no that's a Wolfenstein oh yeah yeah that's like in case it's a secret wall comes up yeah that's perfectly reasonable that like makes 
no, 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 that's all right. It's funny, actually. The games that you grow up with and the ones that in those formative years, like if you give me any 3D platformer from any era, I can instantly play it and be quite good at it. Yeah. If you give me like um, something like, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but something like Fortnite that revolves around shooting and building, yeah. I didn't play games like that when I grew up, so I'm pathetically bad at them yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. I think platform games were my thing for the longest time. So, like, but proper ones, 2D ones. <laughs> none of this 3D, proper none ones. of this newfangled 3D nonsense, proper old ones. That was always my first love for that kind of thing. I got into, I got into point and clicks quite a lot. I mean, say point and clicks, but really what I consider the Holy Trinity, which is Sam and Max, Day of the Tentacle and Full Throttle, which are the three LucasArts ones that I think influenced me the most. And then after that, I just went into first person shooters for the longest time. I feel like from 1990. Five onwards, all you got was first-person shooters for until well into the 2000s, because yeah. that's all I remember playing. That yeah. like up to Half-Life 2 was just shooting men. Until XCOM 2 came out, Half-Life 2 was my de facto. If you said to me, "What's the best game ever made?" Half-Life 2 was my thing, because like, I, I was always I was really about like how that game brought together stuff, simple stuff like sound effects and music and gameplay. Felt like a video games had its own thing in that game I, I, there was something about that that just really worked but I think it was it was the language it, it made a language out of video games it didn't use cinematic language it didn't yes. use literary language it was just like one of those really confident games it was a thing that just doesn't happen in any other media so, so it was why it came to my that perfect video game to me but they put this footage up from this bootleg episode 3 that they're making and it was just it was just the same thing it was, it was just like Half-Life 2 again in that instant I knew why Half-Life 3 hasn't come out because it, I was just looking at it thinking, I, do you know what? I loved Half-Life 2. I do not want to play that. Yeah. Um, it's, it was of its time. Yeah. It and also, like, I, I think it must be really hard if you make something that completely genre-shattering, yeah. that groundbreaking to follow. But then they did, they did Half-Life 2 after Half-Life 1. You know, it is possible. Well, yeah. Um, I, I still live in hope. That's it for this week's Spawn Points. If you want to get in touch, please email your feedback and questions to hellospawnpoints at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Keza McDonald. Dan Marshall can be found on Twitter too. He's on Dan That. And once again, his latest game, Layer of the Clockwork God, is out now on Steam. If you've enjoyed the show, you can subscribe and leave a review on your favourite podcast app and there'll be more episodes very soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Do you love to read or listen to books? Is your nightstand overflowing with books you just don't have time to read? Listen to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zivi. I'm an author, publisher, podcaster, bookstore owner. My own novel, Blank, is out March 1st. And if you love books, you're in the right place. In fact, we call it the Zibbyverse, or rather, the LA Times calls it the Zibbyverse. Check us out. Moms don't have time to read books with Zibby. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.